Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gens. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. I hope you can tell the mic quality is so much better than it has been past probably eight months of episodes. I'm so excited to be back podcasting with and for you all. It has been a wild last year of life changes and habit changes and everything, and I'm just starting to get back to a sense of equilibrium, a sense of normalcy, and that is exactly why I'm sitting down with you all today and discussing a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, but I think something that I haven't conceptualized, haven't been able to line out in a format as accessible as this, which is, long story short, how to enjoy reading more. In terms of my thoughts behind the conception of this episode, I have read so many books, not only this year, but last year that have fallen flat for me. They've fallen short of what I envisioned for the book, what I've envisioned for what I read. And that's not to say that the books that I've been reading are not bringing a lot to the table in terms of they're helping me grow as a reader, as a writer. That's genuinely the case with 99% of books I read, even if it's just I feel it's terrible, the writing's bad, whatever. It does help me get a better sense of not only what's out there, what's published, the kinds of authors who are writing out there, how they are growing, what their position is in the field, but also it helps me figure out, okay, maybe this is something that I should either steer away from if it's just really, really unfortunate, like some of the works that I'll talk about today, and I won't mention too many titles. <laughs> um, and also, um, possibly, if it really affects me in a strong way, maybe I need to actually turn towards that kind of book or that kind of genre or that author because sometimes a strong emotional reaction either way means that 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 work might become valuable to you in some way or another down the line. I was in, I think this was the Chicago Art Institute in the modern wing. I could be wrong. There's a lot of modern art institutes that I go to, but in essence, I was there looking at some of the beautiful Rothko's that they have, highly recommend um, if you are ever in the Chicago area. The Art Institute has basically a room full of Rothko's, um, who's my favorite painter, and the person who was conducting a tour near me, I was not a part of this tour, I was just listening in, as one does, and he was telling the group maybe if a picture is not your cup of tea. Maybe if you don't like this picture and you think, why are we spending so much time here? You know, I really don't want to sit here and look at something that I'm not interested in. You know, if the picture has sort of, you know, initial negative response to you, you should indeed take 30 seconds, take a minute and look at that picture for even longer to just digest it, to find something that perhaps you like. And if you, at the end of that session, 
you know, turn away from the picture and say, I don't actually like this kind of art. I didn't really find anything <laughs> in it that I liked. Then that's another story, but investing just a little more time, a little more interest or attention in something that gives you a negative or neutral response at first sometimes is a really valuable exercise and it definitely stretches you. I know it stretches me whenever I do that kind of thing. And I always try when I'm at an art gallery, when I'm, you know, somewhere where I'm interacting with a lot of different creative work, I always try to find a piece that I genuinely don't like and to focus in on it, to try to find something that's interesting about it, to try to find something that will help me grow from it and will help me really be able to articulate what exactly it is I don't like about it, what exactly I'm shying away from in the piece. And I think, again, that can be so valuable. So tangent aside, um, enjoying reading sometimes is about not enjoying it until you really put a conscious effort into <laughs> enjoying it. Needless to say, I've been going through a lot of negative experiences with my reading lately. I feel like, um, especially before I started reading more intentionally this past month in April, in March, I felt like two-thirds of the books I had read for the year in 2023 were complete garbage. <laughs> like, you know, not like one book in particular I had an extremely negative reaction to, but the others, you know, I could take them or leave them. And it wasn't like they were worthless or something like that, but in terms of my own reading, how I felt that they helped me, um, how I enjoyed the process of reading them, that's hugely important because you're spending eight to ten hours on the average book. You know, all of that combined, I felt like, man, I just probably could be more intentional about what I'm reading to avoid this kind of situation. Because again, if it's two thirds of your reading and you're really not enjoying it, especially the quantity that I've been reading recently, it's just not gonna work in the long term. It's not a sustainable model. Some concrete reasons. First, the quality and style of writing I'm just not enjoying nowadays. I've been reading a lot of contemporary fiction. Um, contemporary nonfiction is a different story, actually. I quite like, you know, the different um, approaches that certain writers take to their nonfiction. Um, certain contemporary nonfiction is like written as if it were fiction. That I also take issue with for a lot of different reasons that belong in a different episode. <laughs> but, um, you know, the quality and the style of writing don't jive with me right now. I'm like really grading against a lot of the informal type of style. Um, it kind of reminded me that I maybe need to take a look at the classics again and kind of go back to tried and true writers, trusted writers. Um, I don't know if you have been around on the show for long, but if you have been there since the beginning, you know that postmodernism is my jam. Post postmodernism is my jam. You know, as so I think of authors like Kurt Vonnegut, um, authors like Don DeLillo, authors like, you know, even Ray Bradbury, um, <laughs> and just, you know, these like great minds. And, you know, that can get into some sci fi, but honestly, their contemporary fiction works are. The, the ones that I started reading, they were my initial point of saying, I'm a reader, I wanna read more. And um, they have probably made the most influence on me. 
ever since. Um, but you know, even writers like Joan Didion, who are you know in a pretty different category, uh, Cormac McCarthy, um, Ian McEwen, you know, a lot of these other writers. David Foster Wallace, like, you know, these are my go-to writers when I am feeling uninspired with reading or when I'm feeling like I need to revamp something about the way that I'm reading, the way that I'm choosing books. Um, and so, yeah, the quality and style, I just kind of have been fed up, honestly, with the quality and style of the books um, from, again, my very subjective, very opinionated perspective as someone who reads a ton. Um, of the books that I've been seeing in the contemporary fiction genre for the last about six to eight months or so. Another keystone of what I dislike about um, these books is that they're overtly, i.e. superficially, political. Um, this is something I'm not a political person at all. Um, I have my own opinions, viewpoints, of course, I'm, you know, my mid-twenties, but at the same time, the ways that I respect political thought in literature is something that is more shown than told. And that's right, that's a classic cornerstone of literature. Like, that's something that you learn in the second grade when you're writing little prose things in, in class. And, you know, having this superficially political agenda um, is something that I've noticed over and over again in a lot of the contemporary books that have been published in the last year. Um, this is not against one or the other side. I've read books that are pro one side, pro the other side, um, and I'm questioning the efficacy of having such a superficial political agenda in a work especially of fiction. Um, and whether that lends itself to good fiction, you know, and for me it's an even more complicated um, scenario because when you have such an overt political agenda that's, you know, overtly named, you're talking about specific relevant political issues in the world right now in fiction, there's a certain amount of like your readers are going to be people who agree with you most of the time. And I think the best, one of the best things about literature for me is that I can hop in a book and grapple with perspectives that are not my own and grapple with perspectives that expand my ability to perceive and empathize with other people. So that's something that I've just really struggled with in recent contemporary, especially, like I said, contemporary fiction books, some contemporary nonfiction books, um, and something that I just don't want to read anymore, to be honest. <laughs> something else that has been bothering my reading enjoyment lately is that I'm reading books that are taking me a lot longer, meaning that I'm having a motivation crisis, <laughs> which is not a crisis, but a motivation stall, which is that when you read slower, or at least when I read slower, I have less little wins. You know, one chapter for me is not enough of a win because I read so much. It's like every book is a win, you know, and that's a small win on a timeline of like 70 books a year. And so 
for me, having these books that I'm reading over like two, three, four weeks or more is really, really putting a damper on my motivation to read, especially since I'm not enjoying the books due to the other qualities that I've just mentioned. So um, that definitely allowed me to reflect on the length and the style of books that I've been reading. Maybe I should have, you know, a book that I'm reading that's a more complex one, maybe a little more slow, boring, or something like this, and then, or challenging, maybe, would be a good uh, summary for that kind of book, or, uh, and then also a second book that I'm reading that goes a little faster, you know, that I pick up when I'm really tired. That's been one of my big issues with reading lately, is that I'm so tired by the end of every workday that reading really complex, long books like Dickens, I've been reading a lot of lately, um, just as it's not working for the time and place I am uh, with um, my life, but also when I'm reading. So if I was reading in the mornings, you know, that would be a completely different story. But after a full workday, you guys, sometimes Dickens is not it for me. Sometimes it is because it, Dickens has this way of being so immersive, especially if you're someone who really knows his style. Um, and can really just kind of live in it for a little bit. Like, you know, a, an hour read, reading session with Dickens late at night sometimes is the perfect solution. But oftentimes, again, you know, being tired, being fatigued, that can really grate on the reading experience. And again, like this slowing down, it has less of a flow in the reading than normal. And that has definitely been impeding on my ability to yeah, enjoy my reading. All right, so let's talk about some solutions, some things that I've been reflecting on about this process of enjoying my books. And actually, since I'm reading more, you know, it matters more to me that I enjoy the books that I'm reading. Again, because of these issues of flow, motivation, sometimes I'm just bored when I read and I don't want that to be the case. Reading is one of my favorite things to do. And if I'm bored, there's something really wrong going on because I'm the kind of person who really likes to read everything. So this problem in my reading this year, this especially this year, but like probably last couple months of 2022 into this year has been super jarring to me because even books that I found like kind of complex or kind of like, you know, not my style. I would get into them like a lot more than I am at this point. So that's something that I've been really, really reflecting on and thinking, okay, how can I sort of jumpstart the reading so that when I get to these books that are maybe a little more challenging for me to enjoy, how can I overcome that barrier every time I get to them? Because I am the kind of person who finishes 99.9% .9 of books that I read. There's one book that I haven't finished in the last seven years of reading a book a week, and that is Chernobyl on Chernobyl. It's the book that won the Nobel Prize. It was something that I do want to get to reading eventually, but I wasn't in a good place mentally to read it and to take in the take in what the author had to say about the event. Um, so that was just something. That was just so i wasn't in the right place to read it and you know it takes a really impactful book to do that for me 
So um, this is nothing bad about the book at all. It's just, it was so impactful. I read about the first 100 pages and I thought I can't finish it because it's just so overwhelming and emotional. So in terms of my solutions, the first one is definitely to vet books that I read from the past five years. So if the publishing date of the book is from the last five years, um, that's an indicator to me, especially if it's, it's an American author, um, that is going to be a political. <laughs> so um, essentially I'm just looking at like authors I know, reading reviews of the book, finding if anyone who I know um, is, whom I know is, um, you know, an advocate of the book or an advocate of the author. Um, these are pretty easy things to do. You know, it's not something that I'm going through a 20-step process before I read any book from the last five years. Um, I've read quite a few books from the last five years that I've really enjoyed. Um, Maggie O'Farrell's A Marriage Portrait was probably up there, like, top two or three books of this year so far. Um, Haruki Murakami's a novelist as a vocation which came out I think a year and change ago or, or so um, that I just read like in a day it was so enjoyable for me to read I've been reading a lot of books about writing and about different authors approaches to writing and to life um, and to habits especially you know so these are kind of the the books that I've been more gravitating towards within this vetting process, books from authors I know, books from, um, you know, genres that may be new to me, but, you know, for example, with Maggie O'Farrell, historical fiction is something that I don't read very often, like maybe a book a year um, over the last many years, seven years or so. Um, but at the same time, I read Maggie O'Farrell's memoir, actually, in 2015. 16 I think it was it's called I am I am I am um, and that was I just loved it I, I just kind of took to Maggie O'Farrell's writing and I have remembered her name ever since um, I would love to read Hamnitch that's the book she's most known for she's kind of from what I've heard and read about imbuing herself more and more in this historical fiction genre which I think is amazing she does such a great job at it um, and I can't wait to read more from her, honestly. So again, yeah, Maggie O'Farrell, you know, might have been a new genre for me, definitely new topic, like Italy, 1500s, like, you know, I know a lot about Germany in the 1500s, but I knew nothing about, like, duchesses and dukes in the 1500s. I knew nothing about uh, Lucrezia, the main character of the book, but at the same time, like, I trusted O'Farrell's writing and I trusted her ability to communicate what she wanted to um, in a way that I was more than happy to get the book when it came out and to read it and I loved it um it was actually it had sort of this like underlying message and the thing that I loved about it in contrast to a lot of the other books um there's a specific author that I won't name but I read I've read a couple of um their books and it's just like night and day the way that O'Farrell embeds this sort of message um and the message was you know largely about like you know female rights and things like that but at the same time 
it was just so beautifully interwoven into the narrative. It was so implicit into the narrative. And there's some, you know, very explicit things that were happening there. But it wasn't just like, she didn't tell you like, oh, you know, women should have rights or something. It was like, literally like, you know, so beautifully pictured in the book um, that you came across, you came across at the end of the book with this sense of like, wow, like how important are women's rights? So, you know, it's the difference between someone who's just through the voice of their characters, women's rights are important, women's rights are important, like over and over explicitly, like telling you, like drilling it into your head, like so like superficial I felt versus this beautifully like woven message into the narrative where at the end you reflect on the book, you reflect on the fiction that's going on and you end up with, wow, like what an impactful way to show how important these things are. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a tangent, but definitely vetting books in the last five years has helped me tremendously to find books like A Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell that have made, like, honestly, just, like, I left with an impression days, weeks, now months afterwards where I'm like, man, that was so good. It was such a beautifully written book, um, something that I'm going to have on my shelf for years to come. Another that I've already touched on is to stick to classics, to stick to trusted authors or sources. You know, this isn't a forever rule or forever guideline if you're not enjoying your reading, but for me, sometimes I just need a restart. Sometimes I just need to start from scratch, start from my roots again, and then over, you know, the course of a month, two months, get back into reading things that I'm less familiar with. So for me again, uh, Barbara Borland is an author I absolutely love. Um, Fake Like Me, one of my favorite books of all time. It's just like, it's so, the way that she writes these like very interesting thrillers, it's almost expressionistic. Um, but yeah, I just, I love Barbara, Barbara Borland. So, um, you know, reading a book like her new book, A Force of Such Beauty, um, I read I'll Eat When I'm Dead. You can look at the review on the description of this episode at relevanceofliterature.com. Um, Kurt Vonnegut, I just recently read The Angel Esmeralda and Other Short Stories by Don DeLillo. Loved it. Ate up that book. It was like one of the most impactful books in the past three or four years for me to read. It was just like one of those books that hit me exactly at the right time and said exactly what I was needing to hear. Um... You know, just Topical Books on Writing by Stephen King is a book that I've really enjoyed. Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott um, is something that I'm finishing up now and I just, I love Anne Lamott. I like coming away from this experience. This is the first thing I've read from her, like a huge Anne Lamott fan all of a sudden. Um, just the way that she writes is so funny and she definitely deserves a review of her own on this um, podcast. So going back to the roots, like... I think you can even tell from my voice the way I talked about some of those books just really helped me get more motivation and enjoyment out of what I'm reading now and that's the motivation and enjoyment that I'm going to use when I come to books again that are less familiar. I think shorter books for me, as I mentioned earlier again, they really do help. So for example, I'm reading a book called Cheek right now. Um, I think the author's name is Hermendorf. 
um, if I'm not mistaken. And then I'm also reading a book called Accentfrei by Yoko Tawada, um, both in German. Um, Cheek is very readable. It's a book that like 15 year old Germans read uh, in schools, but it's also a book that is often taught in um, foreign language classes in Germany. And so I'm reading it for that purpose because of the didactic use of it in Fremdsprachenunterricht in um, foreign language classes in Germany. Um, so, you know, it's very readable. It's, it's kind of like a young adult fiction book in German, um, but it is, it's a little longer. It's kind of like a regular novel length, like 350 pages or so. And then the Accentfrei book is very short. It's, I think it's like 100 pages, 150 pages. Um, so, you know, having those two books um, as my books that I'm reading in German right now has been really helpful to just balance it out. It's not like I'm reading, um, you know, if I were to go and read something like, you know, William Lovell by Ludwig Tieck in German, I would definitely want something, you know, maybe similar to, them, to that, like in style so that I can acclimate myself, but um, maybe not... Um, as long as complex. So something like Goethe's The Sorrows of Young Werther, um, that would be great. Like, you know, just having that shorter book as a comparison or as sort of a contrast to what I am reading currently. And another thing that I've been really interested in lately, especially if I'm getting into a new author for the first time, is having an author that has kind of a novois um, a lot of the um, authors that I have kind of discovered and loved um, don't have a lot of books behind them. Um, and that's okay because every book that comes out now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to read it. Um, <laughs> uh, for example, Stephanie Robel. Um, I just, I loved, loved, loved both of the books from her. I thought the first book was slightly, you know, more interesting to me. It's called Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel. Um, you know, but like, you know, there's so many authors that I just I kind of discover over the years and they, this is their first book or their second book and it's just amazing. Like Barbara Borland is another one, like, um, Fake Like Me was her second book and her third book, Force of Such Beauty has just come out. Um, and she's again, like one of my favorite authors now. So um, it's kind of, it's nice actually to also discover these authors on the other end of the spectrum that have more books, more publications, I should say, um, behind them. Like Anne Lamott, for example, has like six other books, I think. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things where when you discover a new author and there's just so much treasure to be uncovered when, you know, you finish that book that you love and there's nothing else, like you're just waiting in anticipation for the next and you have to find a new author to read. But, you know, like with Anne Lamott, like I would love to go back and read like more of her other work, her fiction, especially since Bird by Bird is nonfiction. Um, her rookie Murakami, like I've read like 30 Murakami books, it seems like, and there's always more to discover. Um, I love that about, you know, Murakami because he's just so prolific, but he also has little arms in like a lot of different types of genres. Um, and of course he has, it's almost like, magical realism the way he writes but you know there's a lot of um different like sci-fi elements in some of his books or there's he has like a pretty decent record of non-fiction now with his book um about classical music and um his book about running and 
so on and so forth. So, you know, I have been really enjoying finding authors with kind of treasure troves lately, like Anne Lamont. Anne Tyler is another great one. Um, I've read a lot of her books. She's just like such a poignant writer that like kind of dysfunctional family fiction is one of my favorite genres to read. <laughs> a Spool of Blue Thread by Anne Tyler is probably the most accessible gateway point for people who are new for, to her um, work. And yeah, so all of these authors just bring such a wealth. So again, I'm not opposed to authors who it's their first or second book. There's so many authors who I have read and just now just follow, you know? But there's also something to be said for finding authors who you can really bathe in for a while and read a couple of their works in a row. Alrighty, that's all I have to say for this episode. Thank you all so much for hanging in with me as I am figuring out, okay, podcasting, getting back into playing the oboe and moving you know around this is my second semester of master's school in germany i am loving it it is um, just such a wonderful opportunity that i'm so grateful for so thank you all for hanging on um patreon things like that linked in the description at relevanceofliteraturecom notes again you can find a couple of the books or the episodes that i mentioned in this one there and I hope you all have a lovely lovely week and I hope you all enjoy the next couple weeks of podcasting. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevance of literature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.